episode 123 of Nothing to Say, the fans podcast. I will admit, um, when Sam and I were talking about planning the show and exactly what we were going to talk about, the initial plan was going to be a lengthy review of the Batman, which we still will do, but it's not going to be as lengthy because thankfully for us, well, as we're filming this, it's Tuesday. So all of these stories just kind of fell into our lap through the NFL and they are big stories. I know that we had mentioned previously on other episodes that we were going to cover a lot of the NBA and we will just happens that this week right now in the NFL has a lot of very big and important news that we, we have to cover in ter- I mean, we wouldn't be doing our, our job as host of a sports show if we don't cover it. So we'll talk about this <clears throat> pretty much right off the bat. We'll start with the Aaron Rodgers thing. Aaron Rodgers has agreed to return to the Green Bay Packers. Now, initial reports were saying that he signed a four-year deal worth $200 million. But a little while after that, Rodgers tweeted, Hey, everyone, just wanted to clear up some things. Yes, I will be playing with the Packers next year. However, reports about me signing a contract are inaccurate, as are the supposed terms of the contract I signed. I'm very excited to be back. Hashtag year 18. Regardless of anything, Rodgers is heading back to Green Bay. So initial reaction from you, Sam, when you heard that Aaron Rodgers was going to be returning to Green Bay and not going anywhere else. Yeah, I love it. Um, I I really hope that he would finish his career as a Packer. It just seemed right that he would get this done. And it really, I think, repairs his image a little bit in people's eyes. The fact that he's now coming back. Um, and it makes sense from a football standpoint, too, because the AFC is just getting stronger and stronger. And Tampa Bay's out. Um, there's a bunch of teams that are going to be switching up quarterbacks. I mean, Seattle's obviously going to not be a huge factor in the NFC playoff picture moving forward with, um, after the tr- trade that they made today. So I think it just makes sense that they try to run it back and Rodgers just restores almost that legacy piece. Well, and they are actually really running it back because a little while after that, there was an announcement that the Packers franchise tags, franchised tag wide receiver Devontae Adams. So he mm-hmm. is staying as well. And that was, there was good news and bad news if you were a Raider fan. If you were a Raider fan, the day started off great in the sense that Rodgers was not going to Denver. The only bummer part was that because of that, you knew that Devontae definitely wasn't going to leave, and the Raiders were probably the top candidate to get him. So that does kind of stink. But with Rodgers heading back to the NFC, I do agree. I think the Packers at that point, obviously, I mean, they've won, what, 13 straight games, like two or three seasons in a row now. Um, uh, they're three, three seasons in a row. Yeah, three, right? Okay, yeah, so three straight seasons in a row. Obviously, they haven't been able to finish the deal, but – yeah, with Tom being gone, and obviously we'll get to the rust thing later. I'm not saying that Seattle was overly competitive this year anyway, but that's another Super Bowl winning quarterback who's not in the NFC. And I think at this point, the initial thought, at least coming to my head, is that it's a two-horse race in the NFC between the Rams and the Packers. I mean, that, to me, they are the clear um, two best teams. And then the teams that are going to be depending on one, how healthy they are, because if the 49ers were healthy last year, who knows what they would have done or who knows what position they would have been all throughout um, the rest of the season. But, you know, you'll have teams like the Dallas who are going to be vying 
for those top spots. You'll have the 49ers vying for that top spot. Maybe the Cardinals. Who knows what's going to happen with them and the whole Kyle Murray thing. That's just a weird and kind of awkward situation going on there. So I think those are the four teams that initially come to mind, but I think the Packers and the Rams are the clear one and two in that. uh... Yeah, and I think um, if for the Adams aspect, it's good that they franchise tagged him, but I think they need it. Their main priority now, after they figure out whatever this contract is going to look for Aaron Rodgers, they need to tie Devontae Adams to Aaron Rodgers' hip at that point. And yeah, really and get him committed for the length of Aaron Rodgers' contract. And if it is, if it does turn out to be that four-year deal, which would, I think, put Rodgers at forty-one at the yeah, end of I it. Think he, yeah, I think he's thirty-seven. Which I don't, I don't know if he'll actually finish that. I don't see him playing um, that long, especially if they win a Super Bowl. But I, I think the interesting aspect of this is, what does this mean for Jordan Love? <laughs> Yeah. Too, who the the guy that they drafted in um who's 23 now in the 2020 draft right so then he'd be sitting for presumably six years to start his career yeah i i don't know um i don't know what his value would be on the trade market he does it's not like he has a big work sample that you can go off of no um I don't know. I I really don't know. I would imagine that their top priority going forward is not going to be Jordan Love. It's going to be getting another wide receiver. <laughs> I imagine that they're gonna be in the draft for wide receivers. And probably more than one is gonna be my guess. Um sorry. I don't know if you heard that, but that was my guess. <laughs> it's just faint. It was just faint. I mean, I'll bring her on camera for the first time. She's just very sweet, but she she's a bit of a daddy's girl, and she's not leaving me alone. So here, Stevie, you can say hi to everybody. I'm going to put you down now. I have a show to tell. Be quiet. <laughs> um, Be quiet. Anyway. Shh. Anyway. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I wonder. I would love to know because – from the Packers standpoint, one, that draft pick, obvious. I mean, it looked bad in the first place, but now it looks even worse. With every year that Rodgers stays there, the pick looks worse and worse. I wonder how Jordan – I would love to know how Jordan Love is handling the whole thing because oh. – I mean, he's handled it so well so far that we haven't yeah. heard anything. I'd be pissed if I was him. Oh, yeah. But I don't know. I, the Packers might not care. At this point, they got their guy – so yeah. whatever Jordan Love decides to do or whatever they decide to do with Jordan Love, it's kind of like, well, whatever. We kind of got – we still have Rodgers, so whatever. I mean, the Packers have a straight, clear path right to the NFC Championship every year that Rodgers is on this team. I mean, yeah, last year was a fluke at how they sh- they lost to the Niners um, in the playoffs, which they should have won at home. Every year with this team and Rodgers – with the NFC in such a flux of what is going on. You got Tampa Bay's not going to make it. Arizona can't figure it out. The Niners are going through a QB transformation. We have no idea what Minnesota is going to look like, what the Panthers are going to look like, what all these teams in the NFC are going to look like. Washington's going to look 
presumably a lot different. Dallas is getting a little worse as they're releasing some guys that are a little overpaid now. Uh, NFC is ripe for the taking for this team, and they're gonna. It's gonna be like that for a couple of years now, and I think it's just in total win now mode for the Packers. Sorry, she just tried to jump up on my lap and fell off and scratched the heck out of my leg. Oh, jeez. Uh, that's why I had her on. That's why I had my mic on mute because she was freaking out. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't know. Um, you're right about the the Dallas thing that that did get announced earlier as well. I believe there, at least the report that I saw from Adam Schefter said the Cowboys announced they restructured quarterback Dak Prescott's and all-pro guard Zach Martin's contract before the start of free agency, saving over $20 million in cap space. So that was big for them. They definitely needed to do that. But, <clears throat> I mean, with the way down – and, I mean, Dallas is going to be releasing Amari Cooper too. So I wonder – just rabbit hole. I wonder if Dallas – I mean, I wonder if Green Bay would go, uh, Coop, <laughs> you want to come be the number two to Devontae? I mean, that would be disgusting. <laughs> um there's your guy if, right there. Who knows if he would take less money to do that, though? Yeah, that would. I mean, he has a big contract, but um, I mean, they're giving Rodgers everything. Might as well give him another All-Pro wide receiver. So I don't know. It, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens with Rodgers and the Packers and what they elect to do in free agency and the draft because that'll be really telling. I mean, obviously they're committed to him. But it's going to be interesting to see how much, I guess, voice he has in the organization over, hey, we should get this guy or we should, you know, mm. go after him or or do this or all that. But, um, yeah, Rams and Packers, NFC Championship game next year. Hopefully, um, hopefully the Niners can sort of upset that a little bit, but it's all dependent on Trey Lance. Right there. I think they have, yeah. outside of the quarterback position, they have the roster to contend with both those teams. Well, it sounds but, like Jimmy G might stay. No, I think that was put I've out heard there. He, I've heard he might stay. I think it was put out there to almost gain some leverage for the Niners side because it was so apparent that he was on the move that teams weren't really meeting that asking price. But now that Rodgers is off the table and Russ is off the table, Jimmy's stock just rises a lot for teams like Washington, Pittsburgh, um, Carolina. Huh? Cleveland, maybe. And maybe. I mean, like Houston, like clear teams that need a quarterback now. Yeah. Cleveland definitely doesn't need one now. But I think if I were to place Jimmy somewhere, I would put him there. Like in the fantasy world, I feel like that would be his best place. Well, there's a lot. I mean, he's linked super heavily with uh, Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh might not be that bad. New Orleans. I mean, there are teams that don't have a quarterback solution right now. We've talked about them yeah. probably every podcast. And Jimmy G, yeah. Mitch Trubisky is being thrown out there as having a lot of value in the quarterback market. Uh, Mariota's name's thrown out a lot. Carson Wentz is looking to be on the move so that opens up another spot for Indianapolis now that these two giant dominoes have fallen today and we're going to talk about the biggest one to move teams which was a crazy surprise that just opens up a world of possibilities for these quarterbacks that are maybe a little intermediate in talent 
Yeah, so let's talk about that other domino. That other domino. Oh, God. Uh, This came out of nowhere, man. This did kind of come out of nowhere. And it broke my freaking spirit for next season. Oh, my God. Uh, Anyway, so, I mean, I don't want to tell it as a Raider fan, but but screw it. It's our show. This sucked. (laughs) This was horrible. What, like, to see Russell Wilson name in connection with Denver and not just in connection but I opened my phone and Russell Wilson's been traded to Denver and it was like oh my god like it was so good to not have Rodgers be there yes anybody <laughs> else anybody else would be fine because it's not Rodgers I didn't even think of Russ he was never connected it seemed to Denver I mean the four teams that he listed were like last season, what it was the Raiders, the Saints, Dallas, the, Dallas, and the Bears. I think were the other was the other team as well. Denver was never listed. I mean, there was a point in time where people were talking about if, with the new regime, would the Raiders want to go after Russ and then deal Carr, which they cleared that up right away that they didn't want to. But they should have looking back on it. Yeah. I don't know. I just it's just that was bone-crushing news. That was just terrible. I mean, the Raiders, think about it. The Raiders got into the playoffs last year because they swept Denver. I mean, that's two wins right there that put them pretty much in the playoffs. Without those two, they don't get in. And now you look at – and this will evolve away from the Raiders and more into the AFC West. What you have now is probably the best quarterback in the league. In Mahomes, you have, I think people would debate where you'd put him, but I think he's easily a top five quarterback in Herbert in that division. You have Russ, who is a top 10 quarterback in the league. And then you have Carr, who some people say he's top 10, he's top 12. Regardless of what number he is, he is an above average quarterback in the league. What you have is the deepest quarterback division probably in NFL history. It's insane the level of talent that is just concentrated in that division. And going forward, get used to seeing AFC West games on prime time. It's going to happen. Every single game will probably be on prime. Not really, but a lot of them will be. <laughs> a lot of them. I mean, there there are already a major. The last game of the year of the regular season was an AFC West game. Right between a team's not named Kansas City, and now you have Denver, which everyone was saying they're an Aaron Rodgers away from potentially being in the Super Bowl. Well, how about yeah. a Russell Wilson? <laughs> the next best threw, thing they could have gotten. Oh, easily just threw that in, threw that in there. I mean, I think this is such a testament to the job and the aggressiveness that the Denver front office put in this offseason with. I wholeheartedly believe they were in on Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers wasn't, didn't decide to go to Green Bay, I think he's only going to Denver with with the amount that they were able to offer. Well, they had hired staff from Green Bay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and it's a a place on the West Coast, which it seems like Aaron Rodgers would want to go back to. And it's it's a place that's win-now mode. And he's not going to be scared of the competition of – the AFC West, he's the NFL MVP two times running now in a row and looking to defend that for a third year. 
there's no way he could do. There's there's no way he he cannot he'd be scared of that and be deterred to not go there. So, and the, the fact that Green Bay or the fact that Denver was so in on Rodgers, and then as soon as as soon as the news breaks that Rodgers isn't coming there, they had been they must have been working on this rust deal alongside and been able to string Seattle along all the way to where now it's like, oh, two hours. We're going to get this deal done and dusted. That's it. All we needed to do was let that domino fall. And now, oh, we just got Russell Wilson falling into our laps. No problem. So the details of that trade are the Broncos receive Russell Wilson in a fourth-round pick, and the Seahawks get Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and a fifth-round pick. The Seahawks squeezed everything out of this trade so i've seen a lot of people saying that the seahawks won the trade Mm. and i I understand the sentiment to that but i guess i guess the way that i would kind of look at it is the seahawks got everything that they could have from the trade and that's a win but they lost because they lost russell wilson like russell wilson is a once in a generation type quarterback he's going to go he's going to walk into the hall of fame um and there are only a handful of those guys in the league i mean regardless of what anybody says about wilson about his season last year dude was injured a lot and Mm -hmm. seattle sucks the roster around i'm sorry this the team around seattle i mean around russ it's just not good they're they weren't that good they had a, a major major off year i think with all the conflicts it just yeah. seemed like a lot of off the field conflicts that um and really... he still had a pretty decent year like and so now you send him to denver who has a ready-made defense three really good wide receivers a stud running back they they're a 10 12 win team easy easy and legit contenders in the afc west right away well and in the afc in the afc yeah, sure. that's I mean, yeah, that's what I meant. The AFC West will definitely have three teams making the playoffs next year in a loaded AFC conference. I think and I think the, the other thing, if you think that the Seahawks won this trade, I think that is absolutely crazy. That's like saying Detroit won the Matthew Stafford trade. <laughs> All Denver has to do is during the time that they have Russell Wilson, which he's only 32, all they have to do is win a Super Bowl. And that whole, yeah. oh, they won the trade talk, that's gone. Completely well, gone. Also, they didn't get a player at the caliber of Russell Wilson. Yeah, they got two first-round picks in two seconds, which is great value. But we've seen, how are you going to match Russell Wilson, who's a top-five quarterback talent in the NFL? So- yeah, and not only that, but he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Should have been a two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback. That that loss was not on him. But dude has 104 wins in his career, which is the second most in the first 10 seasons all time. He's a nine-time Pro Bowler, 292 pass touchdowns, 3,700 yards, has a Super Bowl, I said, and should have been a two-time Super Bowl champ. If he if he retired right now. He'd probably be in the Hall of Fame, but yeah, he'd be close. 
So the fact that he has all this time in front of him, he'll walk in. He'll walk in, and that's the type of caliber quarterback that Denver is getting. And that division, I agree with you, is going to have three teams in the playoffs. And it's it's going to be interesting to see who the fourth best team was because I think a lot of people would point to the Raiders, but they had a better record than the Chargers last year. And honestly, for the a lot of the season, they were the better team. They had a dip um, in the middle with all that Gruden and Henry Rugg stuff, but they started out really well and they finished really well once they got all that sorted out. So assuming, let's just assume that then, I mean, that the Chargers and the Raiders are just even. Who knows? They seem to split every year. They split last year. They, I, I mean, we all knew the story. It was whoever win got in the playoffs. So let's just call them even. They were both 9-10 win teams <laughs> last year. Um, and vying for playoff spots. So if that is the worst in that division, that's insane. That's insane. If your worst team in your division is the Chargers you or the Raiders, you have a good division. <laughs> so to put that in perspective, I mean, with Denver, with Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke went 7-10. and 10. You think Russell Wilson, I think it's conservative to at least say that he can flip three of those games. Oh, easy. I think that's conservative with astronomically better quarterback play. So here, here, let's, do, let's, let's play this game right now. Um, Put up Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater stats? No, I'm going to pull up their schedule next year. I'm going to oh, pull yeah. up Denver's schedule next year, and let's see. And we haven't even talked about the weapons that Denver still has, which they oh, have yeah. a super underrated wide receiver core. It sucks that Noah Fant left in this deal because yeah, he would have been, been a huge piece with Russ. But they still have great talent around him. Uh, Javante Williams in the running back position was – bursting onto the scene last year monster and if he gets more carries heck i can't remember if melvin ingram's still on the team but he still he adds a little bit to that offense but with jerry judy and a full year with jerry judy would be amazing good for him as a first first round pick wide receiver and he finally gets a quarterback that can throw to him uh they got uh, Tim Patrick and they got Cortland Sutton who Cortland Sutton was like the darling of the NFL last year everyone was hyping him up and his ability and he's just a big target body receiver a lot like DK Metcalf so I don't know why but the AFC West always has a murderer's row of a schedule it's just ridiculous it seems like every year I'm always looking at the schedule and going why do the AFC West always plays the best team, but regardless, I don't have the dates or anything like that for these teams. Yeah, but let's just go. But let's just go down the list. So you have Kansas City. I think it's safe to assume that let's like would it be safe to assume that they split with Kansas City? Like they win one in Denver and Kansas City, they win theirs at home. Is that safe? I think that's safe. I feel like that's safe. Do they sweep the Chargers? No, I because Herbert Herbert's only getting better. He can okay. win you a game that you have no business winning. Fair enough. The Raiders are. I don't know. I, I I would I would say I think you could. I think it's safe to say they might sweep them, but I don't know. It's divisional games always. Again, I I don't know. But 
let's just let's say they sweep the Raiders, right? Because I I'm looking I'm thinking about it from more of like a last year perspective. The Raiders won a close game against them. It shouldn't have been as close, and then they worked them in a different game. Mm-hmm. But it, so let okay. So if Russ is playing in both of those games. That close game, I don't think falls the Raiders' way. Yeah, so they won 17-13 in Vegas. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was a close one. And then they had another one against Denver. I want to say it was like 30 to 20 or something like that. 30, I don't remember. 34-24. Right. And I think the last touchdown that Denver got was like a garbage time touchdown, too. So they worked Denver in that game. Right. But I don't know. Let's just Let's say they sweep the Raiders, but I mean, I think it'll be close, but let's say they sweep the Raiders. They're going to beat Houston. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Are we saying they're going to beat Indy? I think they beat Indy. Yeah. Okay. Arizona. Right. Yeah. Right now, I think. Yeah, I agree. So San Francisco. Heck no. Legitimately. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think they just putting aside whatever San Francisco looks like, Russell plays so well against that team. All right. Every yeah, time. he's very familiar. They'll destroy Jacksonville, we think. Yeah. So we already, and then we already have all the AFC West games. So then they have the Rams. No, that's probably now. You yeah, know, another, another piece of this too, Von Miller's heavily linked to return. Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, so that's just boosting a defense that was already playing so well last year. And then their last games are Tennessee, Seattle, Baltimore, Carolina, New York. And by the way, the Seattle game is in Seattle. Oh, that's um, awesome. So they're going to beat the Jets. They'll beat Carolina. And then it's, they'll beat Seattle. So then it just comes down to Baltimore and Tennessee. I wouldn't be shocked if they beat Baltimore. Tennessee, I think, might be a little tougher. But – so if we if we say conservatively that they lose to Tennessee, they lose to the Rams, and then they split one with the Chargers and split one with the Chiefs, they're only, we only have them losing four games. Given everyone's healthy, Russ doesn't get in. Everyone is healthy. I I could see it because that team played so well last year. And here's the thing too. I could see them sweeping the Chargers. I really could. No, you got to put some respect on Jay Herb's name. Well, that division is that those teams hate each other. Um, so those games just mean and feel so different. It feels like, at least from a fan's perspective, than any of the other games. So I mean, you never know. But um, it's just. They're easily a 13-win team with that schedule next year. They definitely could be. Hopefully, I mean, this is all completely optimistic views. Maybe Russ just doesn't gel within that system. They're not able to really no, connect. Dear Lord, a, I hope so. <laughs> as a, I don't know, maybe they, they're going to let Russ cook. The only person that was stopping Russell Wilson was Pete Carroll. Throughout the his thing career. is, is that they don't have to. Because Williams is a monster. Yeah. They can be very run play action heavy because they have a great, they have a great running back. They're the Bengals. <laughs> they have a great running back and three really good wide receivers. They don't have Jamar Chase, but 
They have three very good wide receivers and a monster running back. Their yeah, Jamar Chase is their running back, but they have. I think Javante Williams is pretty. He's an undersized back that's pretty close to Joe Mixon. I feel like maybe a little bigger, but their wide receivers are definitely more possession wide receivers than well, take for the sure. top yeah, off yeah, of yeah. Uh, but like their Jamar defense Chase. is amazing. They have a good offensive line. They literally, it's the everything Denver has or had is filled like well minus the quarterback and they just don't so we have them going 13 and 4 they're gonna go undefeated and win the super bowl <laughs> yeah 13 and then all bets are off in the playoffs when you go to mile high yeah yeah exactly that yeah that, that's a very good point that's a tough place to play that is a very tough place to play i mean we thought i mean Seattle was always a tough place to play because of the noise. Well, Denver is going to have, especially with Russ being there, not only the noise, but the altitude to deal with too. And teams who don't play there, that's that sucks. That's tough. Thank God I'm on the AFC West. You know what's funny is that the AFC West not only has to play each other, but they also play the second best division in the in the league next year, which is the NFC uh, West. That's just I don't know if it's the second division anymore. With really? Russ oh, gone. I well, okay, you're right, but I guess I'm thinking of more like the Rams being in it and the Cardinals being in it, and the 49ers are still they're still going to be good. I I guess you're right. I I don't know why I wasn't. Heck, uh, but I mean, Russ being Tom, not being Tom there, might but... come out of come out of retirement and put on a Niner uniform. I would not be opposed <laughs> to that. I would a not one... be opposed to letting Trey Lance sit a couple more years. A one year Tom Brady in San Francisco. I, give me two. Why not? I'm tired of seeing this team lose in the Super Bowl. Why not? <laughs> so, I mean, those were the two big dominoes to fall. So. Yeah, they, they definitely were. So, I, and a couple things. Yeah. Um, sneaky Chris Godwin signing franchise tag yep. for the Bucks. That He was a guy that was linked that was to a lot of teams. Um, people thought that they wouldn't do that because potentially they're moving into a rebuild, but it looks like they're trying to keep the gang back together apart from Tom. Yeah, I – where – which I don't, I don't mind that move because they could realistically, depending on that quarterback position, who they get, say they get a Mariota, they could win that division with eight or nine wins. Yeah. Also, I have the details of the Mike Williams thing. I was trying to, I was trying to find it while you were talking about it. It was um, three years, sixty million dollar deal that includes forty million guaranteed and a twenty eight million um, and twenty eight million in one year. <laughs> So that was a deal for Mike Williams. He earned that. I mean, if Tampa gets a quarterback, then yeah, I mean, they could definitely they get Jimmy G. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jimmy G could take him to the playoffs. That's already another um, another AFC South move. I thought this was super interesting. Panthers are actively shopping CMC. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Who? What is the team that he is going to go to? And don't let him just mess around and be healthy for 17 games because that is going to be crazy. Oh, I know. I know. Um, what team could really benefit from a star running back? I mean, 
any team could, but um, let him heck, he could fall at Arizona, and we're sitting here to, like send him to San Francisco, <laughs> dude. But like, legitimately, with the revolving door of running backs that like follow me here for a sec with the revolving door of running backs that San Francisco has they just seem to plug in all these running backs CMC wouldn't have to be the primary back therefore you keep him off the field and keep him relatively healthy and then you pair him with Trey Lance to take sort of the pressure off of him I'm telling you no San Francisco would be the perfect place for him Jason who would turn down what team would turn down CMC no maybe the Titans you're right you're right the Colts like, like I said I maybe Denver. <laughs> um, but no, I get it. And I, like I said, like I said before, I, any team could benefit from having him, but I think, and I, I think the ideal place for him would be San Francisco because of Shanahan and that running game and how they can just plug and play any running back. He wouldn't have to be a three down back. You can try yeah. to keep him relatively healthy by doing that. It makes, it makes sense. I think they have the room for it now that they're, they're going to not be paying Jimmy and they're paying a QB on the rookie deal. They're not paying a super expensive running back right now in Elijah Mitchell. Yeah. You know, and CMC fits that mold, and he'd be great for those checkdowns, really taking the pressure off of Trey Lance, like just giving them easy throws, easy completions, turns a throw that's at the line of the scrimmage into a 60-yard touchdown, just like that, no effort. Right? I'm going to be really interested because we're filming this on Tuesday to listen to Sports Center and ESPN Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be laughing when I hear somebody say San Francisco because I'm gonna come back to our show and say we had it. First. You know, you know where I I think a team that immediately needs to press this Dallas as they're making all these moves to free yep. up money and they're freeing up a lot Zeke of money. Out. Zeke's gone. You can move Tony Pollard in this deal, and like this, this, ama- this automatically puts you back on schedule. He lines up perfectly with Dak and his timeline, and you're in complete I think I, win now mode. I think ideally you'd want to try to keep Pollard though, because I think with CMC you don't want him to be a three down back. I mean, if he's 100 percent healthy, yes, you do, but he's not 100 percent healthy most of the time. So I think you have to factor that in. Dude, he's just uber talented. You need that guy on the field at all times. I, ideally, yes. But Tony Pollard is a pretty pretty good running back, and he certainly would be somebody who having him on the roster and just working him in with CMC, I think would, I think that would work better than him and Zeke. I mean, CMC. Pollard and Zeke. Oh, yeah, because yeah. CMC is way better than Zeke is right now. Yeah, for sure. But so that was just something I just thought of. Um, I think it's just weird that he could be on the move. That that is such a piece that could strengthen, like totally, completely bolster a team. Let's see. I want to know how old he is. There's still a bunch of moves to be made in this. Only twenty five. I would have guessed he was like twenty seven or twenty eight. That's I feel like he's been in the league forever. <laughs> what team could use him? The Chiefs. The Chiefs could use him. Don't say that. <laughs> Don't <laughs> say that. If Le'Veon Bell didn't work, Clyde Edwards and Lair didn't work. Jarek McKinnon looks pretty good, but they didn't utilize him very well. Clyde Edwards and Lair was fine. 
Um, uh, I think he's underachieving for D. I mean, that system just doesn't work. That run, that run game just doesn't work. San Francisco. That's I'm saying it right now. That is the best spot. Or ooh, what about him in Baltimore? They don't have a crazy star back, I think, right now. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, yeah, I, I like that. And if let's say Pittsburgh gets a quarterback, go to Pittsburgh, get like a Mariota. <laughs> Um, Mariota McCaffrey they're, uh, uh, duo they're, or Trubisky. <laughs> yeah, they're heavy in Trubisky, Carson Lenz. Honestly, Trubisky, I I was listening to ESPN. They were reading some stats about Trubisky. I think he's like 25 and 13 in his starts. Yeah. Like, and the year that he was playing well, which I think was like the first year with Matt Nagy, like he was like through the first couple months of the season on track to he was in the MVP conversation. Like mm-hmm. Mitch Trubisky being in Buffalo, having learned in that system and kind of watched Josh Allen do do not be surprised if Mitch Trubisky comes back and just goes, I'm gonna light everybody up. And he, I would I would love to see it. I would love to see it. Um I'd love to see him in Pittsburgh. I think that'd be really nice. I do yeah I, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh would be really cool. Pair him with Tomlin, get him give him get him with a stable coach, um, I think he would do really well. I really do think Trubisky would do really well there. He just got overshadowed by Matt Nagy and his ridiculousness. Well, he made some really bad throws. Let's not um, completely devoid him of blame. He did make some no, really I, poor throws, and for sure, I, there's there was. But you also have to wonder whether or not. <clears throat> Everything was shattering him. around him. Yeah, it, it's not all on him. Matt Nagy no. was trying to was giving him was giving him stuff that was trying to make him do stuff that he's just not. That's not what he's meant for. Like he's meant to be Josh Allen. He's meant to do that kind of stuff. He's not meant to be Drew Brees. I think a part of it for me is that he was thirteen. Weren't they thirteen and three? That year, it was like they made the playoffs three or four years. They made the playoffs not last year, but the year before as well with Trubisky too. So they've made the playoffs. They made the playoffs twice with Trubisky. It just seemed like it was smoke and mirrors. Like they were scheming up wide open throws to guys, and I think that's what kind of threw people off. Like, yeah, he's putting up numbers, but they are the easiest plays that you're going to make, which isn't his first like fault that's not his fault that he's getting these plays but it's just like he's not making those throws to win games really when when their backs against the wall and when not everything's perfect it's the same thing with jimmy g i think yeah yeah no i get that well sometimes the nfl offseason is well it used to be that the nfl offseason wasn't super exciting but the last couple years it's turned into almost as exciting as the season for a lot of people, especially if your team <clears throat> is in the running for some of this, some of these big trades. And I am super excited to see what happens next. Now that Rogers and Russ are off the table. Yeah. And it is just going to, deals are going to be flying for these QBs. Yeah, no stuff is going to start falling. We're recording on Tuesday. And by the time our show comes out, 
on Thursday or Friday, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more news that has come out by now about who's getting franchised, who's on the move, all that stuff. So certainly going to be a lot of fun. But, but we do have to move on because we have some important other stuff to get to. <laughs> um, not necessarily important, but important to us. Um, okay, so for warning, if you have not seen, if you have not seen the Batman yet, thank you so much for watching this episode. Uh, we'll see you next week. We're going to do a review of the Batman. So just want to put it out there this will spoilers if you haven't seen it i know it's pretty recent that it got released we went and saw it almost to me i saw it opening day and i think you saw it what two or three days after yeah i saw it yesterday yeah so just a few days after yeah so, two days two days after it opened yeah so very recent release so probably not a lot of i'm sure um there are a few of you who uh, haven't seen it so i'm monologuing because i want to make sure that you don't get anything spoiled. So, all right. Um, let's start with your review. I want to hear your review first. We talked about it a little bit, but I want to hear your thoughts on it first. Because right. Batman's always been my favorite character, so I'm interested to see what you have to say. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm just realizing that Colin Farrell was the Penguin. You didn't know that. Am I the only one that didn't know I think you're the only one who didn't know that. Yeah. Well, it's that. funny... I remember when they casted him, but it didn't even dawn on me when I, because it was so long ago that yeah. he was casted as the Penguin. Yeah. Dang, that. It's funny because, it's funny you mentioned that because as I was watching it, I, I knew it was him. And there were a few scenes where I could really see it and a few where I really couldn't. No, I couldn't really see it at all. Um, give the Oscar for makeup to the team of the, of the Batman. Yeah. Uh, Side note, though, DC really likes putting the the, the before their oh, superhero, yeah, and the Suicide Squad, like, and that just not a lot of brain power put into uh, <laughs> the Dark Knight Rises <laughs> to these movie titles. Um, no, I I thought just initial thoughts. I really enjoyed it, and I th- I think it was well worth. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised by just going in with the just didn't expect like it to be that good we're just coming off of a recent batman and ben affleck and then this comes out robert pattinson seems like a head scratcher of a casting for it you don't know a lot about the story or how they're going to tie in anything and i think they just did such a good job with this movie there's things that i think uh didn't gel with me but i don't think it hurt my viewing really at all like there was the things that i really liked about this movie far outweighed the things that i was just like eh about you know yeah um so batman has always been my he's been my favorite um superhero it's always been batman and spider-man and batman I'd, I'd have to side with him being my favorite um when robert got cast as batman i was actually pretty excited about it i was um because I had seen him in quite a few other movies, mm-hmm. and especially after he got cast, because like initially when he got cast, I was like, okay, I actually do like this. 
I knew he was going, obviously then I knew he was going to be playing that role. I watched a few more movies of his and then I got more excited about it. Cause I was like, he really like, I know he did twilight, but that is so not who he is as, as an actor. He's so good. Um, so I was actually pretty excited about that to see what they were going to do. Um, to me, I told this to my dad. I told this to Sam, and I'll say it again here. This felt like an Arkham game for me. For anybody who played the um, Arkham games, um, for me, this felt like something right out of that. Uh, those games are dark, um, especially the last one. I mean, the last one's rated M, for, for goodness sake. So uh, very adult themes going on in, in that game. And same thing for the other games. Um, they're very gritty. Um, and that Batman, that version of Batman, uh, the combat is such that Batman, he doesn't like pull his punches. Like he breaks your face and it almost is like he's seeking out breaking your face. And in this version of Batman, it felt like he really wanted to hurt everybody. Um, and it was a very dark tone, very dark movie. And to me, it felt so much like that game which really made or those games which made me enjoy it all that much more because that's that's my favorite game series i think ever um and yeah i mean i i really enjoyed it i loved the take on batman i always liked batman being meaner like that's just the version of the character that i liked more um not i loved Christopher Nolan's take on him and the Dark Knight to me is still the best Batman movie. I'd say this is probably the second best one, but to me, the Dark Knight is still the best one. And I love that take on Batman as well. I loved how they leaned into the detective side because that's not something that Nolan did all that much. They leaned heavily on it in this. And I think it worked because it was the Riddler. Like you had the luxury of being able to do that. Um, so yeah, I, I really I really enjoyed it, and I agree with Sam. I think the few gripes that I have with it um, are so minor that it really doesn't matter in the overall scheme of things. Uh, one of the things that Sam and I talked about, and I'll I'll bring it up here because and we can sort of geek out about it was how beautiful the movie was, <laughs> like the cinematography was insane. I know we talked about that hallway fight scene where it was only lit up by the gunshots. Oh, that was just, that was so good. Yeah, I think from the offset, this movie just set that tone that it is, it's not a conventional blockbuster superhero movie. Like, this is a artist piece, and it happens to be about Batman. Uh, just the shots that were put into this, it is such a, I think, because we talked about this with um, Spider-Man, no way home too like how beautiful that movie was but this movie is beautiful in a different way like that had like a lighter tone with yeah. lighter aesthetics and different things like that but this was such a darker aesthetics rained all the time i don't know how that yeah. seawall didn't overflow before it got yeah. blown up because it was raining the whole <laughs> the dang movie yeah. the whole time so i don't even think riddler had to do anything for that thing to flood that's besides the point but this, I mean, the rain looked great at night. Oh, yeah. This movie is predominantly at night because yeah. it's really just, it's probably 85% Batman, probably 90% Batman, 10% Bruce Wayne. 
Uh, yeah, that was another thing I pointed out to Bree that I liked about the movie. Pattinson was Batman like almost the entire time, which was really cool because you think about the Dark Knight Rises. I mean, Christian Bale that wasn't Batman until like the last third of the movie. Yeah, and he he got a lot of time to play with uh, Bruce Bruce's character too. I mean, he yeah. had that like like there was clear differences, but I mean, this movie. Just as a movie, if you take away the plot points or the writing, like this, like just shot for shot, if this didn't have any sound, it is beautiful. I'd put this oh, up yeah. there with like anything really. Like this should be taught in a film study. Like Matt Reeves did such a good job uh, with the the uh, photography and the the filmography of it. I think does it say? I thought I could find it. So, I mean, it was just such a oh, and then the night, like the different settings of this, of the Gotham underground, yeah. were really presented really well too. Um, I think they just looking back on it, looking back at the cast, I think every one of them would not have been my first like initial choice in those roles, but they all delivered so well. I think I, we touched on Pattinson. I think. Um, the Paul Dano, who played the Riddler, I think was a little interesting. Uh, John Turturro, who played Carmen Falcone. I don't think he would have been people's first choice to play like the main uh, crime boss, main mafia boss. I think, but I think they did such a good job in those roles. You know, it's funny. So, have you seen? Um, have you seen There Will Be Blood? No. So there will be blood. Um, have you seen Prisoners? You say Prisoners? Yeah, the one with Hugh Jackman. No. And Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. So first of all, you have to go watch those movies. Um, there will be blood. Won uh, an Oscar for Best Picture. Um, and not only that, but I think Daniel Day Lewis won an Oscar for his performance in that movie as well he's amazing so paul dano is uh the bad guy in that movie um and then in prisoners he's also a bad guy in that movie so i had seen both of those movies and i had the opposite reaction when they cast him as the riddler i was hyped when they cast him because he is so good at being so weird and very like making you like uncomfortable on screen he's just He's got that skill, I should just say, is really what it is, that talent of being able to do that. Prisoners would probably, Prisoners probably would fall in, like, a top ten list for me of, like, my favorite movies I've ever seen. Um, and if and if I'm talking about just straight-up movie performances, Daniel Day-Lewis in There Will Be Blood would be, like, a top five for me for greatest movie performances I've ever seen. Um, and alongside him was Paul Dano, and he did amazing in that movie as well so i was super excited when i saw him uh being cast as that and i knew as soon as they did that i kind of had a feeling that they were going to do a little bit of a different take on the riddler because i think if you cast him you're not going to cast him in the role of the riddler um kind of like what you see in the arkham games or i nobody's jim carrey but i mean that was the last take on the riddler really <laughs> um minus the games and then there was a I guess there was the uh, the take on him in the TV in the Gotham TV series, but 
even that one, I mean, wasn't nearly what Paul Dano I I imagined was going to be. Um, so I was I was super excited about that. Um, yeah, Zoe Kravitz, I I'm not too familiar with her, so I didn't really have an opinion either way. She did she did great. Um, yeah, she did a great job. Um, yeah, I. I um, oh, and uh, gosh, who played uh, – what is his name? Um, who played Gordon? Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright, uh, yes. Jeffrey Wright's in a million things. I mean, he's, he's in, in the, the Hunger Games. He's in first time around. Um, yeah, he was – that was like his initial breakthrough, I feel like. He, he was in Casino Royale. Yeah, no. So, I, I mean, and he's been in a million things, but Jeffrey Wright was awesome. What's the um, HBO show with um with the robots? Westworld. That's Westworld. what he's yes. That's what he's biggest from. Yep. Um, so he's awesome. He was great. Um, I want to talk. Well, actually, let's talk about the things that we didn't like real quick. So, what were you, some of your gripes with the movie? I know that we both have like a few, nothing major, but what were some of your gripes? Um, I think my biggest thing was. And maybe this is just because they're planning on making this a little bit of like a trilogy and stuff. But I think I needed more of Bruce Wayne. It just didn't seem like there was any delineation between Batman and Bruce Wayne in this. You know, like he's just a, he's just Batman without the mask. But there should have been a little bit of more and maybe they portrayed him as like still traumatic from his parents' death, but what has he been doing this? Like, why did he become Batman? Like, what is, where is that growth from this character off screen that really is portrayed on screen? And and maybe he didn't get enough time. I don't know. Uh, The relationship with Alfred was a little interesting. That's a different take than they've done that any Batman has done because it seemed like a little bit of resentment almost towards Alfred. It seemed like they weren't like as close, like as fatherly and son, like, you know, Christian Bale and um, I look so bad for not remembering his name. That old guy? He's not just that old guy. (laughs) I look so bad for not remembering his name. Michael Caine. Sir Sir Michael Caine, isn't it? Sir Michael Caine, yes. I get it? That's it, right? Huh? Yeah. All right, good. Um, that relationship was very like father he's son. A, he's not a sir. <laughs> well, you put that. You put that in there. Um, Should be. Is uh, he? Yeah. I got. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but yeah, that relationship was very father son esque. Yeah. And this one was very you're my butler, um, and you're not my dad. <laughs> Um, he even said that <laughs> i mean he said you're not my father yeah. um so yeah that was that was i mean even the um even um in Zack snyder's version they were still it seemed pretty close jeremy irons and uh ben affleck they seemed that was close. more that was more brotherly that definitely kind of yeah but they still seemed close mentor to mentee almost it was yeah. almost like equals yeah, they definitely seemed more distant in this one. Um, the, I, I get what you're saying about him being, not being Bruce all that much. I think for me, I think for me, it's like we all know the story. 
Like we all know why he got that. We all know why he became Batman. We all know where he went and what he did, and then he came back and you know why he chose to be Batman and all that stuff. So for me, like I had heard that story enough that it just I didn't feel like I missed out on it because I've I've seen it so many times, um, and it's been done a lot. So I didn't feel like I missed out on that enough, and I was actually thrilled at the end of it, looking back on it, that he was Batman as much as he was because. I felt like there were times in the Nolan series where I wanted more Batman. Like, Batman's not on screen all that much. There's the joke that the Dark Knight isn't really a Batman movie. It's a Joker movie. And you could make that argument. Um, and, you know, he doesn't really... He's not Batman all that much in the Dark Knight Rises. And um, so, I don't know. I get, I get that a little bit. And I think I was just so excited to see uh, Robert play Batman and that they gave us a lot of him, I was I was pretty happy about that. And if it does turn into a trilogy, then they will have more opportunity to explore, which I think they're they're doing like so many spinoffs of this. Like there's going to be a Gotham PD show, which sounds like it's going to be like a rated R, like Arkham series, which sounds amazing because um, there's a lot they could do with that. I think there's going to be like a rated R Penguin series that they're going to do. And then they might do more movies with this. And they certainly introduced a world like, Mentioning Bloodhaven was a huge thing because Bloodhaven, for those of you that don't know, if you're a comic book nerd, then you know that that's Nightwing's territory. Um, so that's sort of how that's connected to um, Gotham in that sense. Um, yeah, and I mean, hell, at the end of the movie, they introduced a Joker. <laughs> um, that was my gripe, actually. I had two gripes with the movie. One, um i think they filled the three hours very well but it was very long <laughs> um it was long there came a point in the t- in the movie where i thought oh you know what they're gonna do like a cliffhanger ending like they're gonna have i actually thought it was going to end when the buses blew the dam i thought it was gonna be i was like this is perfectly in line with this movie to have the riddler win and to leave it there. That is where I thought they were going to end it. And I was going to, I was like, wow, that is a bold ending. But it, I, I really, really was convinced they were going to do that. And then they didn't. There was the whole other scene after that, the whole 20 minute action scene, which again was super entertaining and super fun to watch. But I was convinced they were going to end it right there because it was totally in line with that movie. Um, so it was a little long. But it's not to say that I didn't enjoy myself. And then the other gripe that I had is I love the Joker, but give us a different villain. Like, we, there are so many other good villains in the Batman universe that they haven't explored in film. That there, there's a ton in the games, like Mad Hatter, um, Man Bat, uh, Professor Pig, Hush, Clayface. There's so many other. Victor Zaz. I mean, there's six that I just spitballed off the top of my head that they could explore. And we just had a Joaquin Phoenix Joker. Heath Ledger's Joker. Nobody's ever going to beat. So it's like, why? There was a Joker in the Gotham TV series. It's like, he's been done a million times. Like, we let, let's have a different one. And I guess that was that was put in there, I guess, for that obviously to set up the next movies but also for that oh hey like like for that fan moment of oh it's the joker oh my god he's he's there because he is that iconic 
iconic of a character. Like he brings out that that um, reaction from people. It's just natural because yeah. of because of the performances and all the this isn't even talking about all the works in animation that have been done with the Joker and Batman. Oh yeah, which is the major majority of works at least over the past two decades. I feel like for if Batman has something coming out. If it's not the Joker, that movie, it's going to be the next one because he's just that yeah. iconic. Um, I guess the thing that I had was, um, what was I going to say? Uh, do you think it's kind of, are, were you shocked that the Riddler didn't figure out Batman's identity? Oh, yeah, because they did tease it that it sounded like he was going to, and then he didn't. Yeah, uh, in that interrogation, well, not interrogation, but the the talking in Arkham Asylum. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's only been Batman for two years at this point. Um, so, I don't know. I, it didn't bother me all that much. I I actually assumed up until that point that he did know who he was mm-hmm. um, so that kind of threw me for a little bit of a loop but that's what I thought like based off of the all that information that he collected in his apartment and it seems yeah. like he really connected the dots and he's a really smart dude so it's kind of astonishing that he hasn't made that connection yeah I guess I get that yeah The other thing I was going to say. Oh, the other thing I said. I think the Riddler did win. Well, the Court of Owls. That's the other. Um, that would be another good group. Uh, House. Well, I guess he did win. Yeah. Because I think he got rid of the mayor, the police chief, the DA, and um, uh, Falcone. But, I mean, I guess when I say he didn't win is, I mean, you see him in the cell at the end being super upset and distraught, which is very in line with that character. He doesn't like it when his plans doesn't don't go through and he's not smarter than everybody else. But, I don't know. I guess Batman sort of saved almost everybody in that stadium who was targeted. So, so but, yeah, I guess you're right. So, here's the thing I don't get. This might have been complete and utter, like, uh, narcissism, ego on the part of the Riddler to where he wanted to let himself be captured so that he can have that face-to-face with Batman. That might completely be the answer. But his plan would have worked if he doesn't stop at a diner and let himself get captured. If If he's the one up there going through the plan, he doesn't miss that shot of the mayor who's standing still and you're like right there with a rifle. So he doesn't yeah. let like his disciples almost, he doesn't leave that up to chance almost. Well, that's so that's in line with his character. And the only reason why I know this is because I played the games and um, the Riddler was a pretty prominent character in all of the games throughout <clears throat> in all four of the games at least in the three main ones. I know there was that that other one that got made by a different company, but um, there are like little Riddler trophies around 
the entire map. And one of the things is, you know, you can go solve those riddles and do all the little tasks. And he always thinks he's smarter than everybody. And that's very aligned with his character to go like, I'm going to show you how much smarter I am than you. And he gets pissed when he's, when it doesn't work. So I think for me, that was in line with this character, just in the sense like, yeah, you're going to capture me and I'm still going to win and you're going to watch me win. Um, and so, but I get what you're saying um, because he very easily could have just not done that. But I think that was part of his ego and going, yeah, I, I beat you. And there's nothing you can do about it because I'm right here and I still figured all of this out sitting right here. Um, so I get what you're saying. I don't think it's wrong, but I also think that it is in line with his character a little bit. Yeah, I meant, I mentioned that at the start. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I like how this movie devoids, like, diverts from expectations of it's not a villain facing off against our hero in the yeah. climactic final third act. Mm-hmm. You know, it's definitely like a full mental question. It's almost like a Batman trying to find himself in that whole third act and really finding what he wants to be to the city. Yeah, no, I get that. Which I think is, I think it's really, I think it's strong. I think it's a nice, refreshing change for the genre. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean... Yeah, there's no reason in the world why. I mean, because if Pat, if Robert's Batman was in a room with the Riddler, that it would be over, and probably as soon as he walked into the room, I I would the Riddler probably wouldn't even try to fight him. Um, oh my gosh, that was the other thing I had. Continue your point. Um, so no, I get I get what you're saying uh, in that sense, but go ahead. All right, so this is the other thing I had, which I thought was so dumb. So Riddler's plan was to send a package to Bruce Wayne. What do you think the net worth of Bruce Wayne is? Just estimation. A couple I billion? I think he's upward of like 10, like he's in the billions. I know that. Are we talking, we talking Bezos numbers? Are we talking Mark Cuban numbers? No, I think his net worth was like in the 8 to like 20 billion range, somewhere in there. All right. How does an explosive get through security in Wayne Tower? Because he, he's living in Wayne Tower. Uh, he was living in the mansion. But isn't the mansion was. in the tower? That was kind of... In this movie, yes, actually it was. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. So how does an explosive get through there? That's point number one. Point Point two, there there was a line where Alfred says, I trained you how to fight, and he thought that that would protect him. Did you catch that? Yeah. So that's in that's inferring that Alfred has training. Uh, that, uh, Alfred, I think, was in the military. Um, so a man... Let me, let me double much, check that, but I believe he was. So a man with that much training to train Batman is going to just willy-nilly open up this package addressed to Bruce Wayne, who has not made an appearance in years. So why is anyone mailing him anything? And why is Alfred opening Bruce Wayne's mail? 
probably for that reason to check to see what it is because it's weird that packages because i don't know people he's opening his mail because he's his butler <laughs> um and that's what he does um i like your point more about how did it even get there in the first place that's a good point but you should know if there's a riddler going around if there's a serial killer going around you're not going to just willy-nilly sit on your desk and open up some mail especially one that could look like it could feasibly have a bomb in it uh, well it's not even feasible so it's not even the bomb thing i think i guess the more that you're talking about it the most damning thing about that is in the morning not the morning earlier in the movie alfred is down in the bat cave with bruce and he asked him why is he writing to you so he has to the batman and he, so he would have seen the handwriting. And for somebody who's as smart as Alfred, who was cracking the, dis, who was deciphering the thing, you think Which I like. Put, I yeah, like that you, aspect. I did too, because Alfred, I just checked, he was in the military. He's a, he's a smart guy. Like he, um, if he was figuring out things that this Robert Pattinson Batman wasn't even figuring. Yeah, out. I liked them working as a team. I thought that was really cool. So you'd think that somebody who's that intelligent would. Put two and two together and go that just looks really familiar like that handwriting was not uh, like where have i seen that before he's been right. looking at ciphers with that handwriting for the past month or the not the past month the past few days mm-hmm. you think yeah so i guess yeah i guess you're right i hadn't thought of that but yeah that bomb shouldn't have gotten up to the top of the wing tower in the first place yeah because then you because then you could just have random people sending bruce wayne bombs like, and you know a lot of people, here? yeah. And what are we I, talking about? You're right. You're right. He needs to fire his security. He needs to fire Alfred. <laughs> he's he's paying them too much because <laughs> they're not doing their damn job. That's very even, true. Even if we are going to say, you know what, the Riddler was so deliberate, he could have snuck his way into Wayne Tower and hand delivered that package to Alfred. Even if we're going to give him that much credit, which, what, he sneaks into this building and gets through, I'm assuming, like, 100 floors of security and stuff. Heading to where everybody knows Bruce lives. Everything, or he somehow gets it to the mail delivery chute or whatever this building has and (laughs) puts it in himself. Even if we give him that much credit, Alfred should have the wherewithal to be like, Maybe I should get a uh, like a like a sensor detector or like a a, a freaking security thing. You know where you put the it, it's maybe an X-ray thing. It, they know yeah. they got money, they got resources. He they can slide all that mail through an X-ray and be like, like how is the TSA more prepared for this than Wayne Towers is? I don't know. It's a good question. They don't even have a dog. They don't even have a, they don't even have a bomb dog. Well, bomb dog is Alfred. Because <laughs> that's why he was opening the mail. <laughs> um, so, I, I don't know. That's a very good point. And that is, I think, a glaring plot hole. Because that didn't get explained away. And this is also um, assuming, the Riddler is assuming that Bruce Wayne opens his own mail. Which That's is a also damned true. assumption because he's Which, worth uh, yeah. millions of dollars. Because if he had security or a butler, 
one of them probably should have opened it in the first place. So, yeah, that's very true. The Batman sucks. It's the worst movie. <laughs> Spoiler, I had it at a four and a half out of five and dropped it to, to zero now. I don't even need to see it again. <laughs> no, I, I like your rating of around a nine. I'd, I'd give it like a a 9.2 yeah I think I it, you know what and to me like and we can sort of wrap this up but I think three of the better superhero movies that I've ever seen feel like they were very like they weren't world ending threats they were very and they felt kind of like low sort of kind of like not low budget but sort of not on the scale of Avengers it's more like so you have this movie which doesn't feel like to me didn't feel like it was this gigantic I mean it takes place in Gotham and yes the city flooded but again it didn't feel like a like a big movie per se um Logan was very kind of just this guy versus that guy not bringing in a bunch of other people very low budget and then hell even the dark knight the dark knight um kind of feels like this movie like only a few people died um or like few like major city officials died um folks folks lost their life jason i would not say a few no i i understand that but in terms of like it's not like the um it's not like Guardians of the Galaxy, which set a record for the most on-screen deaths of like over like five hundred thousand or something like that. Oh, did it really? It wasn't Guardians. like Man of, Man of Steel and the when they just tore up Metropolis. No, Guardians of the Galaxy has the most on-screen deaths of any movie. <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, let's, let me let me double check my facts. But as far as um, I the last um. The last one that I saw right here from The Guardian, ironically, this article, is it's more than five years old at this point, but um, I was totally exaggerated with the 500,000 thing. But um, in, yeah, 2014, it's listed as 83,871. <laughs> so you're telling me they hired an intern to count all of the deaths in that movie i think they're they're going off of um the film sees the killing of eighty thousand nova corpse pilots in one of the closing scenes which takes its estimated on-screen body count to eighty three um uh thousand eight hundred seventy one and then the second biggest one and again this article is five years old but the next one is dracula untold with five thousand six hundred and eighty seven not eighty three thousand um, to put it into perspective, Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King is fourth on that list. And as a matter of fact, one, two, three, three of the either Lord of the Rings or Hobbit movies are on this list. And then ironically, Avengers is actually 10. Um, First but, Avengers. Yeah. Really? That's got to be like assumed deaths. Uh, I probably. Um. So yeah, I think I think a lot of this is. Um, I think there are some articles that I'm looking at right now that are I think probably have different definitions of like on-screen deaths per se. Because while yes, all those Nova Corps pilots did die, it's 
I think there's probably a difference between actually yeah. watching somebody get stabbed or shot per se than watching that just kind of vaporize in front of the. Um, but yeah, Guardians of the a, Galaxy. Can we get a moment of silence for the Nova Corps? <laughs> Eighty thousand pipes. Their whole fleet. Holy cow! That's. Dude, I don't know why you're laughing. That those are fathers, brothers, sons, right there, and you're just laughing. There was women in that in that force as well. Yes. Um, so they're taking that from from when the ships were holding. I think so. Um, generic blue dude's ship. I can't even remember his name. Ronan, terrible villain guy. Yeah, Ronan, Ronan the yes, accus- the accuser. Such a dumb name. <laughs> when they're being an average villain, <laughs> when they're holding him, his ship, and then yeah, it all falls. Yeah, I really liked that pilot. He was a nice dude, the leader. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like your rating, nine point two out of ten. I like it. Thumbs up on the Batman. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, and I'm... uh, take a um, take a bow for the fight scene coordinator. By the way, that was fantastic. One of the some of the best action sequences put on screen for any Batman. The warehouse fight scene with Ben Affleck's Batman is going to be, I think, probably the standard, especially because of how long that fight is. Like that is a very long fight. Um, but this movie had a ton of really good ones, and that's another reason why it reminded me of the Arkham game. That opening scene where he does like the like six like combo thing on that guy, I was like, they pulled that from the game. Like that is carbon copy from the game the quick break of the arm followed by a couple punch. yeah that's right from the game they uh so the the fight club i think was a, a good fight with all the lights and stuff going on and then obviously the hallway i feel like there wasn't i could be totally wrong but at least the hallway it didn't seem like there was a lot of cuts in that fight mm-hmm. No, they could have like they it. could have hit him between the gunshots, but it seemed By like the way, it was that all... was that was practical effects. I just read the other day that was all practical effects. So it was what's what's practical effects? There, that wasn't CGI scene. Oh, really? Yeah. How did yeah. they do that? I think they were just using some sort of like sparker at the end of each gun. Um yeah, it was uh let me I just read that the other day. Um but yeah. Um yeah, right here. The Batman's big hallway fight uh was shot with practical effects. I know it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> um all righty, thank you all so much for listening and watching. We hope you have a fantastic week. And we will see you all next week with episode 124.